0: That's an incredibly loaded question, too. I mean, (laughs) define what you mean by best way you've killed somebody. Welcome to the Two Authors Chat Show, an entertaining podcast with two best-selling authors connecting readers with an eclectic array of distinguished guests through lively conversation and interviews. Hosted by mystery, suspense and thriller writers Douglas Pratt and Nicholas Harvey.
1: Welcome to the show, everyone. hope everyone's doing great today. We got here with Mr. Nick. How are you doing today? I'm
0: good. Thank you very much. Hey, that autumn just came to Florida. Autumn? What, a leaf fell? Yeah.
1: When <laughs> <laughs> the palm fronds are down? No, it's been like
0: 90 degrees, right? And, you know, it's been Florida. And then all of a sudden today, it's like 68 degrees. It is gorgeous outside it's uh, low humidity 68 degrees sun's been shining it's gorgeous so i'm i'm doing good
1: well hey we have a listener question
0: we do from uh miss shelby lyle from memphis tennessee i've been there yeah i've been to memphis every day you go to memphis all right the question is if you could solve one mystery in the world what would it be
1: Oh, solve one mystery in the world. How about the mystery of D.B. Cooper? You know D.B. Cooper, right? He hijacked a plane back in the 70s, and when he, he got the whatever the million dollars was and bailed out, and nobody ever saw him again.
0: Oh, I remember that now. Yeah.
1: He hijacked a plane in air. They landed it. he bring the ransom. he take off, and somewhere over wherever they are. I think they're in Washington State, but I could be wrong. But he, like, he bailed out with a parachute. We're fiction writers. It's okay. We make right. it I'm up. making it up. So. But he, he bails out with a parachute in the, in the ransom, and nobody ever heard from him again. What kind of plane was it? I don't know. A jet air, airline, 747. You can't
0: just open the doors in the in air.
1: I want to know details now. It just doesn't... I don't know what to tell you. I wasn't prepared. I guess uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's a movie about it. I mean, uh, every like, oh, is all the, yeah.
0: Did they solve it in the movie?
1: They didn't solve it. Period. So I don't think that you know.
0: I wonder if they just made up an ending in for the movie. You know, Hollywood well, does that sort left of it, thing.
1: He got away and he he jumped out and it was a 727 Boeing 727 hijacked Northwest Orient Airlines. It was over Seattle, Washington. which from Portland to Oregon. Um, he demanded two hundred thousand dollars, which—that's pretty Austin Powers, one yeah. million dollars. <laughs> well, okay, but in, in this was nineteen seventy-one, so that would have been equivalent to one point four million today. Still, that's still a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, um, it's a able, lot of he money, he but carry it. It's two hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that's carry true. it with you. So, and then he, he requested four parachutes when they landed in Seattle. He released passengers in Seattle, but kept the flight crew. They took off again. He was heading to Mexico City, refueled in Reno, and 30 minutes after taking off, he jumps out. Nobody knows where he is. I don't know. There's a lot of questions I have about this. It's all, well. It's I, I, that's probably it's why it's a, it's a mystery. It's <laughs> yeah, a, that's why I
0: wonder it's a mystery. Wonder where he went
1: to. Like he got away. Like it's one of those. You know, as as fiction writers, we always like the perfect crime, and so if you can find a perfect crime, somebody gets away kind of cool i mean how about you do you have any cool mysteries
0: amelia Earhart. it's got to be amelia Earhart. well it's obviously a mystery and there's lots of people who have come up with ideas and everything else of where it was but um yeah i'd like to know that i think a lot of people would like to know where she ended up i'm pretty sure she didn't make it that's uh if it's, i think, you think? <laughs> i think that's That's pretty true.
1: She didn't make it. Well, maybe she might have. She's just laying it and like, screw it. I'm not telling anybody where I am.
0: Yeah, I'm just hiding out. I'm done with this publicity stunt business.
1: You know, somebody said that she they thought they found remains on an island that might have been her or something like that.
0: Yeah, I I watched this documentary thing that claimed that they were getting to the bottom of it all. They didn't get to the bottom of anything. They They never do. They filled (laughs) an hour documentary with a bunch of uh, really I don't know what it was. They found some. A little bit of wreckage that was, uh, it's right in an area that was very active in uh, the Pacific in World War Two. so it's like, ah, uh, yeah, I don't think you've got to figure it figured
1: out. No, probably not. But she probably landed in the middle of the ocean and sank. unfortunately.
0: All right, moving on. Our guest this week is... Quite a
1: mystery, actually.
0: <laughs> well, until you tell us, yeah, it's a mystery. <laughs>
1: All right, our guest today is uh, Armand Rosamilia, who is a very, very prolific writer. He has written I don't know how many books. It's like over two hundred uh, stuff on uh,
0: publications. Some of that's anthologies and box sets, and but it's nuts how much he's written. And he writes uh, crime thrillers, and I've read his um, some of his crime th- thriller series. Which ends up fantastic. And Shakedown. The yeah. Shakedown series are fantastic. They're really yep. good. Yep. And then his Dead Deeds series. And then he writes horror, which I do not read.
1: I think writing horror has to be very tough, you know, because you know, if you're watching horror, it's always the jump scared, like, oh, there comes Freddy. But in a book, how do you, you know, jump scares are kind of harder to do. So, yeah. yeah in my probably. opinion. I, Maybe I'm it's sure a, it's really oh, hard to write. It could be a pop up book. But you don't tell anybody. Turn the page and it pops up at you. Just all, all of a sudden
0: pops up out of nowhere. Yeah,
1: it's So hard on the ebook though, but it's still something to think about. <laughs> anyway,
0: Armand. <laughs> Armand's <Anyway, our laughs> on our show, so let's talk to him because he's far more sensible than we are.
1: Welcome to the show, Armand. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. I love your backdrop, by the way, which is
0: a great way of starting the conversation on a podcast that people only get to listen to. But <laughs> Armand, I has find this, you <laughs>
1: very sexy today, Armand,
2: and I'm just <laughs> should everybody should on? be looking. Should at I put here. the shirt on or leave the shirt on? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, Armand is naked, people, just <laughs> so you know. So, uh, Armand, tell us a little bit about how you got into the uh, business of of writing and what your uh, path has been. It
2: started when I was twelve. And I read my first Dean Kuntz book. And for me, that was that was it. My mother still today is a huge horror reader and a huge um, you know thriller reader and stuff. And I started reading all of her books. She had thousands and thousands of paperbacks. And that was that was it for me. Dean Koontz was it. She's a huge Stephen King fan. I am not. So that's every Christmas I give her a Dean Kuntz book. She gives me a Stephen King book. I'm sure we don't read the other person's gift every year but still <laughs> um, and that was it I, you know 12 years old i wanted to become a um, a writer you know you do those things in like fifth and sixth grade where what do you want to be when you grow up and everybody wants to be you know a quarterback and a fireman and all this i wanted to be a writer and that's what i i wrote and my mother always says you should have written you wanted to be a rich and
1: famous author maybe <laughs> That's mom's right there for you. (laughs) Way to be a writer. You you could have been better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So was it your first job? I mean, did you just start straight into it? No, I've had a
2: million jobs since then. My first story I ever got uh, released was 1988. That was my senior year in high school. And it was a little side-stapled Xerox little zine. I had a a story in that called um, Beastie. And it's actually, that that story is actually in my first uh, short story collection. And it was the very first thing I'd ever gotten uh, released. So 35 years now, I've been a published author. And I had a lot of years where I did not write due to life stuff. Uh, I had a lot of crappy jobs, 20 years of retail management. But was it was great because, you know, when you have all those awful customers and all those awful people that work for you, and work above you, and then you get to kill them all. Yeah, <laughs> kill, them kill all in your books. Just murder them in
1: your books, yeah. You, you just
2: like, oh, I need, I needed a really awful person to kill. Let me think of somebody from my past.
0: That is very fun. I think we all do that. We've all killed a few people that we didn't like. Plus having
2: two ex-wives also that i have killed them several dozen times
1: each. <laughs> fair, fair. <That's, laughs> yeah. You know, you can do it over and over. If you do it in real life, it's only once. So. Right, yeah. That's it's the like the gift that keeps on giving. So, yeah.
0: so how long have you been full time writing? This would be my thirteenth year
2: uh, able
1: to make a living
2: writing full time.
1: Wow, that's pretty. That's impressive. impressive. Yeah, and you are you 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 are to say prolific is is an understatement for you. You have you write books so fast and so much. I mean, you're on like you know Stitch and TikTok, and I'm, I'm sure you probably have it only fans that's Armand fans. That's uh, I do about 450,000
2: words a year is what I've been averaging for about the last 10 years or so. Wow. That's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of books and horror books are shorter. Horror books are 50,000 words, you know, where thrillers are 63,000 is, is my sweet spot. So I read a ton of short stories. The one thing that I really picked up, all three of us were at Nink, which was awesome in Tampa. One thing I really picked off was my brand is so off because I wrote so many horror things and so many nonfiction things and so many supernatural things and so many, you know, everything, pretty much everything but romance has my name on it. And uh, so I I really came home and I pulled, you know, I had 228 releases on Amazon. You know, that's including being in anthologies. That's, you know, everything. Publishers have my stuff. And I went through that list and I was like, let me pull up the last year's sales and look at that third, which is about half of my list is like no, like three, five sales for the year, whatever. And stuff that's not on brand. And I just went, oh, you know what? And I basically just took them all out of print. I just immediately wiped out like, I don't know, over a hundred releases that I just, I mean, I said, you know what? I'm not making money on this. It's not in brand. Um, it's confusing for the reader. And my, my hardcore readers so far over the last 13 years has purchased all of those books. So I'm really just focusing on the crime thriller stuff now. And that's really, um, you know, where it's going to be. I still have, I think, three horror books that I'm under contract to write in the next year. So those will come out and then that'll be it. Even my short stories, I've been just writing crime thrillers. Like, like you said, Doug, I, I write live on Twitch three or four days a week. And now it's I'm not writing chapters of books. Now I'm writing, you know, crime
0: thriller. How do you switch gears between the genres? I mean, there's a some. I mean, there's a connection between every form of writing, right? writing novels. But thriller to horror, I mean, there's a big line in the sand that you cross. I mean, in a thriller, they sneak by in the dark by the the shed that's got the chainsaws in it. And the uh, horror movie, they go inside and start cutting people up. So. How do you switch gears? Do you find yourself in the middle of a thriller? Like all of a sudden the guy's got an axe in his hand and you're writing this thing and you're like, oh, no, wait a second. Better back out of that.
2: I, I think I, mentally I get into it. So now I'm writing, I might write two or three different things in a day. So I might start a short story, a horror short story in the afternoon. I might write a chapter of a thriller. And then, and then later at night I might write a uh, supernatural or, or, or do a nonfiction or something. But it's just mentally I need the break between and, uh, you know, I do other stuff that's not writing. I, I'll do a lot of promotion. I do, you know, podcast interviews. I do different things. And in the back of my mind, I already know what I, I'm going to work on next. And you, it's really that, you know, I think in the beginning when I wrote so much horror, and when I first started doing crime thrillers, which Dirty Deeds was the first one in 2015, I wrote that. It was really tough when I'm writing and all of a sudden I'm like, oh no, no, wait a minute. He no, all, not everyone can die in this chapter, you know. We we can't have some crazy axe wielding maniac, you know. Like, so you 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 really have to focus on what the story is, and I kind of set ground rules. When I start, especially new series, I say, "How much violence? How much sex? How much profanity?" And those are my three basic things. And with the horror, there's a lot of all that. And with the crime thriller, there's hardly any of that. You know, I I want you know a twelve year old to be able to pick up you know uh, one of my crime thriller books and read it. And yeah, there's going to be a death in it, but it's not five pages of hacking
1: you know limbs off and stuff. So like with all this hacking limbs off. What- <laughs> Are you ever writing along, and you write something, and you're like, "Oh, that just creeped me out." Like, uh, even uh, that's too much for me.
2: Yeah, in my uh, in my 20s, I wrote a lot of really crazy, over the top stuff, and I think when I had kids, when I started, and not even that I was doing violence towards kids, but just I was like, "Do I really want my kids to read this?" You know, my 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 zombies. I won a lot of awards with it. I mean, it's. Nine a nine-book series, but the, the zombies don't just want to bite you. They still can get aroused. Oh, So nice. while I don't put that necessarily any of those scenes in the book, but, you know, I was at a convention once, and my daughter was there, my youngest, and I think she was like 16 or 17 then, and some guy came up to the table, and he's looking, he's like, oh, this is the rapey zombies book I was telling you about. And I'm oh, like, no, rape, dude. zombies. Shut up, you know, like just... Buy the, here. Uh, give me your $10, nice. buy the book, go away.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, I've got a sidebar to that then. So have you ever killed somebody in a book that you're like, that's your favorite way you've ever done it? Or what's the best way you've ever killed somebody in a book? So the problem with writing
2: almost 500,000 words a year, you forget a lot of that. Like, they're not, <laughs> they're not my babies, you know, I don't, like, once it's, it's written and it goes to, the editor and, and I, most of the time I don't even remember the the, the book. I mean, there so it was been, the ex wives. One of the ex wives yeah, I mean, is probably yeah, one of those has probably <laughs> got to be the best. Because yeah, I've had some good uh, I've had some good uh, creative things though. That uh, the way people have
0: died. That's an incredibly loaded question too. I mean, define <laughs> what you mean by best way you killed somebody. <laughs> Generally speaking, society frowns upon the act of killing people. Well, you know,
1: it's it's weird. I was just in a writer's group, and one of the ladies goes, well, I tried to Google how to cover up a dead body smell, and I couldn't find it. I said, well, hold on. You're not searching right. Let me help. (laughs) (laughs) And then, bam, I've got it.
0: Switching gears a little bit, you are a, a veteran of podcasting. And you did a great podcast, The Mando Method, right? Which ran for how many years and how many shows? Like a lot. Uh,
2: So The Mando Method was 333 episodes. So it was six years, almost seven years.
1: Dang, wow.
2: Before that, and kind of running concurrently for a bit, my my first one was Armcast Podcast, where I interviewed authors, and that went 400 episodes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was on the radio. I was on an AM station here in Florida. For a couple of years, and then they switched to FM, and I did that for another year, and then the drive got too much. I got old. My eyes, you know, I have, I have uh, night blindness driving at two o'clock in the morning, and so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something else. And then I was like, you know, what? I'm going to do podcasting. I think that was 20, maybe 2013 that I started doing that. At one that's point, pretty I, I early on in
0: the podcasting world. Isn't yeah, it? there
2: was uh, there was not a lot out there. Lipson was like the only. One yeah. that you know had a, a system in place. They were like one of the first, if not the first. So I really jumped on and um, and started then. And there wasn't a ton of pod. I mean, there was podcasts, but not a ton like there are like there are now. And it was fun. It was, it was uh, fun because I could you know like I could sit and do it from home, and I was interviewing and talking to. First, it was all just horror authors. You know, the original is uh, the original was uh, Armcast podcast, Dead Sexy Horror podcast. <laughs> and then I just changed it to Dead Sexy Podcast because I started interviewing other authors. I wanted to learn not just about, you know, the handful of horror people that I know. You know, I wanted to learn from everybody out there. It was it was a lot of fun. So I've done – I also did a baseball podcast with a couple of other guys. I basically showed them how to set it up, and they asked me to guest on it every episode. So I would talk baseball with them. So I've probably – put together about a thousand podcasts in, in my, oh my time. Oh my
0: gosh. We got to thank you a ton for helping us out when we uh, came up with the uh, idea of doing this. So the two of us would like to thank you very much for all the help you gave us in setting us up anyone that's listened to this show would like to hit you with a baseball bat. Saying,
1: everybody like, They've no. been
0: subjected to what we've done with the show since no, you suggested we do it. my fault. I
1: apologize to everyone. <laughs> yeah, you well, in fairness, he, he's like, you guys aren't funny and you're not inter- interesting. Why are you going to do this? And we're like, ha-ha, challenge accepted.
2: It's <laughs> an hour trying to talk you guys up. No, listen, don't, don't do it. Don't do
1: it. Don't do it. You're
0: not in, interesting. He's do said, not Doug do is it. an
1: idiot, and he doesn't need to be listened to by anybody <laughs>
0: Hey, but we make up for it by having amazingly interesting and cool guests. That's all like you yourself. need, right? That's all you need. Yeah,
1: that's it. That's it. So you've been writing for a long, long time then. So what kind of changes have you seen in the publishing world and in books? So in
2: 2009, when I released Dying Days, which was my first zombie book, there was literally like 16 zombie books on Amazon. You know, we had just started eBooks. We, you know, the technology and everything else there. And, you know, me and a couple other people were throwing up books and we were selling a ton of books because there was there was no and now it's like 20 books every second gets popped in you know in just a zombie for instance so it was the wild west man you just threw stuff up at the wall and it all sold because people love this new technology you know you had you had that one half that said no this is this is stupid and we I have my paperback books and none of this is ever going to work and if you're self publishing you know, it's like r- working with a vanity press and, you know, you're not a real writer. And these are books that no publisher in their right mind would take. And, you know, you, you had a lot of the negatives and all that stuff. But a lot of us made a lot of money, you know. And, you, of course, you, you go, oh, this is, this is the wave. I'm just going to ride this for the next 20 years and be a multibillionaire. And then all of a sudden everybody, was, everybody jumped in and, and it, uh, it really dropped. So it, it's such a struggle now, as you guys know and you know, we've talked about this, it's not, I guess the cliche is, how do you sell your book? Write the next book. It works to a point, but the reality is nobody knows that you have these two books or 200 books in my case. Nobody knows they're out there. So the amount of the percentage is so small of people that are actually reading your book. So it's, where do you find those people? Where Where do you... Where do you find that first thousand readers, right? Where do you do that? And with the tropical authors, it's great. As a group, there's, you know, whatever, 50 of us, and we're all helping each other and stuff. But then it's also, we're circling the wagons onto us. So somebody has to go over here and over here and over here and find, pull in new readers. And enough that it's not, oh, I have one new reader and I've sold five more books this month. You know, I want 10,000 readers to come in and, and sell 50,000 more more books that month so that's always the, the challenge you know advertising you know Facebook ads and Amazon ads and bookbub ads I mean that takes up a lot of my daily time and then they they work or they don't and you 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 get advice and you try something and today this works and then tomorrow you you don't have a sale and you've spent four hundred dollars <laughs> on an Amazon ad you know so it's There's so much more than the writing. For me, the writing is about 45 minutes a day, maybe an hour a day. And then it's like 10 hours of doing promotion and doing all of this other stuff, you know, and then still trying to enjoy it. You know, that's sometimes the challenge of of getting out of bed and, and going, man, this I'm still having fun doing this. You know, I did six days a week, 80 hours a week as a retail manager, and I hated every second of it. And now I'm doing seven days a week and probably 120 hours. The best job ever. The best job ever for the most part. <laughs> you know. Uh, my wife has a career. She's super supportive. She's always pushing me. Spend the money. Do whatever you need to do. You need to go to you know to Nink. How much is it? Just just go get it, you know? So that really helps because while financially I'm I'm making it, we don't need my money. So my money is. Goes back into the business. My money is the the trips. My money is all the
1: the fun things we get to do. So, can I just say that wives are great for that? I mean, that's. I mean, I think all three of us have all three of us have very supportive and you wives. you don't get that, I, I, don't get that I, a lot. You don't. don't. We are blessed by that. I know that uh, Cheryl and Ashley and they put up with a lot.
0: It's interesting. Uh, I was having dinner with some lovely people the other evening, and one of the ladies is in my uh, beta reading group, and they. And we were talking about, and uh, the other people didn't know what I did, and she brought it up. One of the misconceptions about being an author is is what time is spent on what, right? And And I don't think it matters. I mean, if you're John Grisham, it's different. But there is only a handful of people at, at that level these days. And even if you're traditionally published versus indie, but especially if you're indie, it is by far the majority of your time. It's more than fifty percent for everybody. I think you're spending on the business side of things rather than the writing and creative side of things. And switching gears from that creative, purely creative, to partially creative in the ad advertising world when you're doing graphics and creative and that kind of thing. Uh, when I talk about creative there, I mean you know the visual elements and and uh, writing blurbs. But it's it's a whole different mindset. And then you get into the analytics of the ads and you've got to completely switch gears into this number crunching mechanical kind of uh, evaluation process. That's the side that's far more challenging. I think, you know, someone who could write a mediocre book and markets the shit out of it and does really, really intelligent marketing and is on point is going to sell really well. And someone else who writes the most brilliant book in the world, who has
1: no idea what to do marketing wise. No one's ever going to get to read I'm, that I'm a little book, bit of right? both of a best of both worlds. I write mediocre books and I'm terrible at marketing. <laughs> you consistent, but at least you're consistent. Yeah. I'm consistently. But.
0: Yeah. You know, you know what your assets are. I know we are. Yeah. Yes. But I think, uh, you know, I'm on. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're such a prolific writer. It blows my mind every time we talk to you about Is that word count that you do a year, that's a lot of words to put down. I was doing the math as you were saying it. It's like, okay, I'm putting out four books plus some extras. That's probably 140 but I'm doing about 60% of the word count you do it so much faster <laughs> and you're, you're writing for an hour a day and then spending all the rest on the marketing hell when i'm writing i'm i'm four or five hours a day of the writing and then i can switch over to the four or five hours i do, hours a, marketing.
2: I do a, a thing that the mondo method podcast the name comes from the mondo method it was kind of a joke so jonathan maybury the author he writes for 45 he top of the hour for 45 minutes and then that last 15 minutes he he does Facebook, he goes get a cup of coffee, goes to bath, whatever he's gotta do, and then the top of the next hour he's writing again. Well, Jonathan's been doing this for a long time. Jonathan's also making a crap load of money here. And so for him, that's he's got that focus. And I tried it and I couldn't do it. And then I realized, you know what? I'm writing the bulk of that in that first 15 minutes. I'm writing 600 to a thousand words, watching the clock and just like stream of conjure, just get just get the words out. And so I started doing top of the hour. 15 minutes so i'm doing two or three of those a day that's it those 15 minute bursts on twitch i'm on for an hour maybe an hour and a half but most a lot of that time is spent talking with people in the chat telling stories you know doing random things like that so i try to do those little bursts in that hour and i'm getting my 600 to a thousand words that way but for me if i sit here for a straight hour and stare at the screen i'm getting 600 words and it's like pulling teeth If I can do that fifteen minutes, then I know the next forty-five minutes is getting a cup of coffee, you know, doing other things, doing start of the marketing. I have a post-it note, and it's literally by the half an hour of what I have to do accomplished today, and it's the only way for me. I need that visual in front of me, or or doesn't know I have I have a board with every project that is due, every project that I want to do, my calendar of every month what is my new release. And I need that in front of me in order to do that. And so for me, if I don't get something done on this Post-it note today, tomorrow's Post-it note—that's got to be one of the first things I'm going to do. And whether it's, you know, interview with you guys today, okay, so I get to cross that one off. And it's at the end of the day, my wife comes home, and I'll, sometimes I'm like, "Hey, finish the Post-it note," you know, or adding, you know, somebody called or something happened or you know, life happens and gets in the way, the internet goes out, whatever. So I'm constantly working on that, but that's really the only way I can do it. But it, it, it actually lines up for me perfect that I'll start the next six book series and the first one isn't due until April of next year. So, and I'm already had, I already got, uh, me and, and author Tom Duffy wrote a uh, heist trilogy, Johnny Bell um, uh, heist thrillers, and that those are already done. And it's uh, December, January, and February. We're going to do rapid release on the trilogy. And so I'm already ahead of the game. I'm writing Dirty Deeds 12. You know, 11 came out today. 12 comes out in uh, March, and that'll be the last book in the series. And then I'll start this brand new series, Down and Dirty, which will be six book. But I'll write the first book in November, which will be, um, which is, again, it lined up. If it didn't line up. Because i got a couple of other things i got to do in the next couple of
0: weeks before November hits. So it just works out perfect. And your Dirty Deeds, which comes out today, so it will have been out by the time the show comes out, it will have been out uh, a couple of weeks. That's 11. When did you start that series? It wasn't that long ago. you put out 11 in a short amount of time. Uh, 2015, I wrote the first one. Oh, okay. It's longer than
2: I thought. So I was actually writing a horror book called Killing is My Business and Business is Good. And it was about a guy who kills children and then has to live with that. And it was really dark. And I wrote, like, maybe 5,000 words of it. And I just put it away. And I was like, this is just too much. Amazon then had Kindle Scout. And they were looking for books for the Kindle Scout program to give you a a Kindle press contract. And they did not want horror, but they wanted mostly romance and thriller. And one day, out of nowhere, I just said, what if... The this guy's getting paid to kill children, but he doesn't actually kill them. He moves them into a better situation. And he's still, and I thought, you know what? There it is. And I just said, well, the title is way too dark. And then I was like, Dirty Deeds, perfect. Everybody knows ACDC. It's nice. I use a lot of song titles and lyrics in and, and my stuff. And I wrote that and I got a, a Kindle contract. And it came out in January 2016. And Working with, literally with Amazon was great because they, uh, you know, you, you put together your own cover. I sent the cover. They said, you have bullets and you have blood on this cover. No guns, no bullets, no nothing. The algorithm was is going to mess with this. So, redo the cover. They gave me 15 categories they put my book in. I mean, they, all kinds of promotion and everything else. And so... It was one of, I think, 211 books that actually got a contract out of like tens of thousands that were sent to me. Yeah, wow. Great. And so the money was great. You know, they gave me a really great advance. I made it back really quick. And I was like, I want to do a second book. And they're like, okay, do it. And then next year we'll put it out. And I said, I don't want to put out a book every year, especially the, the first one ends on a cliffhanger. People are going to kill me. I, I need that second book. So I didn't sign a contract with them for for anything past that. So they still... They still have the first book; is still a Kindle Press, so I can't, oh, wow. I can't do a box set or anything on the series yet until I take it back. But I mean, it's doing great, and the the whole series, myself, there was like eighty something percent from book one to ten, and you know, I had a great pre order on eleven. So, but I just decided, you know, at some point, I don't want to do, I don't want to do Dirty Deeds fifty seven. I want to do other things in this world. And so that's what I, I was like, you know, I'm going to do 12 books. I did my uh, first coast thriller series last year, which was six books. And that that was uh, shakedown was the first book. So I decided to take characters from both of those series, which is in the same world and do down and dirty combining and do a six book series with their serial killers in this one and then go forward. And a lot of readers are saying, well, James Gaffney from the dirty deeds books. We love that character, but. You start him like in his, you know, the end of his career, like in his 40s, and you've hinted at other little, you know, things he's done in his past. So the idea maybe in two years would be to do a six book prequel, of how he got into the business and, and, and all of that. So like you, Nick, I'm I'm like 18 months ahead right now of yeah. these are the books I'm writing and these are, this is kind of my
0: schedule and I know what's, what's going to happen.
1: Well, hey, let's do our wheel so you can do our spin our wheel. Get you a question.
0: We've mixed it up. We've, uh, yeah, see, it really exists. And we've got some new questions we've added on there a few.
1: Get the sound Sound effect, too. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's very fancy. All -hmm. right. So we're going to go with what was your first concert you ever saw?
0: You're a metalhead, right?
1: I'm a metalhead.
2: Yeah, in My first concert, I was 14 years old. And there's a place in, I grew up in New Jersey. So tons of great venues and everything else. 14, my cousin, she um, snuck me into, because I was only 14, I was a 21 and over, and at the Fountain Casino, Aberdeen, New Jersey. Three bands on the bill. The opening band was Anthrax, before they he- even had a, anything out. The second was, I think, the fourth or fifth show of Metallica with Kirk Hammett playing what and Twisted Sister headlined before they before when they ha- just had their first first album. Oh, so Twisted Sister was the headliner and Metallica was the opener. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Cuz
2: yeah. Sister was the was the and everybody was there for Twisted Sister. You know, they were wow. they were huge that- back then. That was before Yeah. you know the the big album and MTV videos and all that. I'm on this has been brilliant. It's always great chatting yeah. with you. Hopefully I'll see you guys before uh Nick next
0: year. If you guys are ever yeah. down here if wherever wherever you're going to be Nick or wherever in uh, Memphis again. Thanks for coming on and thanks again for all your help getting us uh,
1: started. Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you guys. I appreciate it. I'm on such a cool cat. Huh.
1: Oh man, he's he's the best. Whenever I, uh, I get rid of you as a podcast host, I think I'm going to reach out to him.
0: I would if I were you. Probably <laughs> No, he's great. Yeah, he's, he's a really cool guy. So thanks for coming on, Lamont.
1: I don't, you're not in danger. My wife already thinks that you and I talk too much, so she probably wouldn't, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have a thing. We have a thing. We have thing. a thing going on. All right, well, speaking of your wife, what's exciting in your world?
1: Ah, well, my wife is always exciting in my world, but I think uh, so. Yeah, yeah, she's fabulous. Now uh, we've uh, I don't know, we it's kind of autumn here, so I know you you get the autumn there, but it's it's really autumn here, and it kind of sucks, kind of getting cold. So we're doing Halloween stuff with the grandkids, and fun things. My my grandson Atlas, who is just a little over a year old now, he's a hoot. He has this new thing where he wags his eyebrows at you oh yeah if you ask him a question he'll shake his head but he wags his eyebrows at the same time it's very it's, it's hilarious so <laughs> hey
0: what are you gonna dress him up as this halloween he's got to go with the globe on top of his head surely his name's atlas
1: well <laughs> he should i don't know what they're doing like, he i do i don't i don't get to dress him up as anything because it's, it's it's his mama that, that's to do that but yeah i don't know hopefully they'll do something fun and i think they'll probably come and we'll do a the zoo boo, which you know, my wife works at the zoo, they do a big thing there. And zoo boo, zoo Halloween, tra- that's pretty yeah. cool. Zoo boo, yeah, you go t- walk around and get some candy and nice. dress up. It's it's a lot of fun. So um, cool, but yeah, that's been it's kind of it's kind of quiet. I'm just finishing up my book, and so so how about you, sir? What are you up to?
0: I have uh, let's see, when this airs, losing summer will have just come out. Which is we're recording this snap next week. So the twenty fourth of October, it comes out. Oh, really yeah. excited. For the release. Oh, it's perfect. I timed it that way just to you give her a present. Timed it. That's yes, so tell her I, I am releasing a book that day in her honor.
1: And then I'm I'm reading Losing Summer right now and it is I think my favorite Nora so far. I mean no, all your Nora you. books. I like Nora a lot, but this one I'm, I'm enjoying a lot. I'm just uh
0: She's a cool character to write. It's yeah. a lot of fun. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the uh the beta reads and stuff on it have been very, uh, very generous. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for great things. Hopefully the audience will, will like it just as much. So we'll be, we'll be leaving Florida here this, after this weekend, I'm actually going to the Homestead NASCAR race to see some old friends of mine. If, uh, if you don't know, I used to work in uh, auto racing for most of my life up until a few years ago when I dropped out like kids do and became a writer, but, um, like yeah. Enough <laughs> with this.
1: Cool, Enough. running yes. around the world, r- driving fast cars. I want
0: to. <laughs> well, my driving fast car days are long gone, but I was working for other people that uh, drove fast cars. But anyway, I'm going to go uh, to Homestead, and spend the weekend there, and see some of the old friends, which I'm looking forward to. And then we continue driving 2,800 miles to Newport Beach, California, where we're going to spend the uh, base ourselves for the winter.
1: It's like a that's like your own cannonball run, like across it is. country, isn't
0: it? Yeah, in an RV. Yeah, in an RV. Huh. So, um, I i don't know. I'm sort of looking forward to it and sort of not. I've got to do – we're going to do it in 10 days. So it's 280 miles a day, but I've got to be working. Cheryl works by this week, so she'll be in the passenger seat with a little desk set up, bounced down the road on a, a cell internet. Oh, we got Starlink internet. Did I tell you that? Yeah, you did. I did. Yeah, I told you. I'm telling everybody yeah. else tell, I
1: tell the rest of the world.
0: <laughs> yeah. <Starlink. laughs> so, I've got this little little – Aerial thing and Starlink internet. So far, it's been bloody good. I'm I'm quite impressed. So it, I didn't get the twenty five hundred dollar hardware version that you can uh, strap to the roof and use going down the road. Um, we got the seven hundred dollar version, which we have. You have to be stopped to set it up. But uh, but you yeah, can't I'm, I'm you can't duct it
1: tape it to words. the roof anyway.
0: I might try. Yeah, because you know what's the worst thing that happens? Seven hundred dollars worth of equipment flies off the roof and hits our Jeep
1: being towed behind. (laughs) Well, wait, you could drop the top on the Jeep, put it in the Jeep. Who and then let it and then run the cable up to the front.
0: It could, yeah. That does sound, like, a line that of sight. sound no. like
1: it would be a bad problem at all. So
0: so anyway, we're looking forward to seeing how that works when we stop everywhere across the country. And I'm sure it will be interesting. I mean, we're going across the 10, but we'll get to experience all kinds of weather and autumny stuff uh, in different degrees as we go across. So that's going to be pretty interesting.
1: That'd be cool, yeah. I mean, it's a fun drive. It still stays kind of south too, so.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You're gonna be driving right past,
0: yeah, a bit, bit south of you. If I was coming further north, I would come by well, and say hello.
1: The ten runs right past my boat, so
0: yeah, go down maybe, to your boat. If
1: I'm go down the boat and hang out with you, so
0: yeah, if you go to the boat, I promise uh, we'll see. It. Who's next on the show? Who is oh, well, next? next
1: week we have an awesome lady, Bonnie Paulson, who has written like a bunch of different. I mean, they're like pen names. She's got a uh, a lot of different names, and she's also this marketing whiz but she's also hilarious i think you're i think she's gonna be fun
0: <laughs> we met her at ning
1: yeah we met her at ning and, and actually was, i introduced
0: she... her to what for one of her talks that she did um so that opened the conversation and she is uh, she's a all of energy lovely baby
1: yeah she was a lot of fun as soon as we we heard her i was like oh we gotta get her on the show she'll be a blast. So.
0: Cool. So, uh, look forward to that. And thanks again to Armand. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. And uh, remember, to subscribe to the show. Give us a, a review. Hopefully, a five star one, if you wouldn't mind.
1: Please. And also, don't you make sure you check in our our show notes where you can get links to Armand stuff, links to our stuff. Maybe we can link some stuff about DB Cooper in there, so that and we can educate everybody. But it's got a lot of neat stuff. And look for more information on our guests. And we'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks until then be cool to each other fair winds and following seas
0: you've been listening to the two authors chat show with nicholas harvey and douglas pratt